Hello, we are piloting a podcast right now, and it's called How to Be 30 with me, Iggy. What we're trying to do here is every episode, we're going to have intersections of people, whether they're in their 30s or, you know, younger than that or older than that, but just an idea of what's the contrast between the hangover from your 20s to where you're at in your 30s. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce to you a very special guest. She started out as a workmate, but I think she's evolved as a friend and not just a friend, but also my sister's friend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's been really good and inquisitive when it comes to the marketing of it all and like uh, has an idea when it comes to that. But I think what is really great about her is that with her friend, she has a passion project called I'm Sorry I Can't Please Don't Hate Me, which is a podcast available wherever great podcasts are being streamed right now. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Megan Thompson. Hello, I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited. I'm super glad that you're with me at my initial episode. Oh my goodness, of course. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't think that we would be coming up to this point when it comes to our friendship, but I'm just really glad that you're here. I know. It's been a ride. <laughs> and I think as we get deeper into the conversations, we're going to share a little bit of insight as to what's been happening and what's been the zeitgeist of things. But I think the central point that we're trying to talk about right now are things about relationships. So I guess before we go into it, I could share my relationship status and just a little bit of a snippet of that. All right, let's do it. So basically, like, I'm gay. And some people call it being a gold star gay, which means that you've never been in a relationship with a woman. And I hope that I will only be in two significant relationships. The first one lasting for three years and the other one lasting for a year. And now I'm back with the three-year guy, um, you know, came back to my life and like, we just talk things through and realize that, hey, you know, we might want to crochet together and grow old and, you know, pick out our gray hairs together. But I think for the most part, we've been just like working it through. And, you know, as we talked about it, like the hangover from your 20s, like we're just really trying to get it out of our system. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much my cliff's notes when it comes to my relationship. What about you, Megan? Wow, that's that's really exciting. We love a revival. So excited for you. Uh, Also, always a fan of crocheting and other fiber crafts. I myself prefer knitting, but no, I'm, um, I'm single. I've been single for like six or seven months now, but I would say most of my adult life, I've been single, kind of peppered with relationships here and there. I've been in like five or six semi-serious relationships, I would say. I think serious is potentially a little bit of a strong word. For me. But yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting journey. I think if you'd asked me in my 20s if I thought I would be single in my 30s, I probably would have said no, definitely not. But here I am. And, you know, I think the other thing is if you'd asked me in my 20s if I thought I would be happy and single in my 30s, I would also have been no. But also here I am, (laughs) happy and (laughs) single in my 30s. So that's kind of my deal. Yeah. I think like it's really great that you're saying things like being happy and single in your 30s because a lot of people 
especially you know like the younger ones they want to set targets when they're 30 like oh by the time i'm 30 i should have been this i should have been that but like as we've learned and as we go along what you'll realize is that what you think <laughs> what you'll be in your 30s is not going to be what it is at oh, all totally totally yeah it's just like i mean no one really knows right <laughs> like you know that's really the heart of what we're trying to do here but on the other side of it it's more of like we want to get into some more details when it comes to that. And I think, you know, what we're trying to do here is more about relationships. So I've been doing therapy for the past few months and like it's Love been that. great. <laughs> but while we're talking about the central theme here, and I'm pretty sure like this is a lot of listeners who are doing therapy is going to be thinking about it's like let's talk about our parents and how they did it (laughs) (laughs) i know and you know for the most part i do think that in order for us to understand how relationships work or how relationships are in the current scene it would be good for us to understand how our parents did it and what has changed how do your parents meet and like how are they in this day and age You know, I don't think my parents could have met any more opposite way of how I have ever met anyone like in my life. They met each other at church when they were 19 or 20 years old. It was like at the chapel at the college where my dad was like going to school. And my grandfather was a professor there. And I guess he was my dad's teacher. And I don't know. I guess he took a liking to my dad. So when my mom was visiting, he introduced them. And so, yeah, they started dating, I think, when they were 19 or 20. And they got engaged six months later. And then they got married two years later. I think the day after my dad graduated from college. And so they were 22. And their honeymoon was like literally moving to California together. Oh my so god. So they're still married. They just had their 40th wedding anniversary back in May. And yeah, they're they're doing the thing. But like I said, I don't think it could have been any more opposite than how I've ever met anybody. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's one of the defining moments when it comes to their generation versus our generation. And like with what you're telling me about your parents, like it's so surreal like, you know, at 22, 23 like okay, I'm going to get married. I'm going to move to California. Or I'm going to do all of these significant things. Because when I was 23, I was thinking about what I'll have for lunch. <laughs> totally. So I'm really fascinated by that. I guess vis-a-vis my parents. So I think they've been separated for like 15 years now. But the way that they met is that my mom works as a cashier at a fast food chain. My dad was the overall guy. like does the mopping literally flips burgers for a living and that's the way that they met and i think our generation one of the things that we've been so strong and defining on is like don't shit where you eat which is basically just <laughs> don't marry your coworkers don't play around with your coworkers but their generation they're always just like you know every single pair of friends that they have it's always going to be like a friend of a friend that met at work or I guess in your case, met at church. I feel like some people do still meet at work, though. I feel like everybody breaks that rule at least once, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everybody breaks that rule at least once and dates a coworker or has a fling with a coworker at least once. And then they're like, yikes, not a great idea. But you know, it works out for some people still. Yeah. Bless them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've only had a fling that became a coworker. <laughs> okay. But I'm not too sure like about the other thing because I kind of feel like, you know, work environments right now are so intersectional. It's kind of hard to go around it. But I guess it's also a culture thing because things, at least in the Philippines, are so relational. So it's really yeah. hard to just do it nowadays. But good point. I mean, I think, you know, at some point or the other, like there's really a couple of people. And I know mm. of a couple of people, especially in, you know, in the advertising agency world, you know, because the number of hours that you spend together, close for comfort, and then you just work on a pitch and then you end up, you know, <laughs> developing something and else. And you end up in love. <laughs> <laughs> Some people that you and I know mutually, in fact. And I guess to your point when it comes to working from home and dating and relationships, it's, it's still pretty much the same here. Like most of the people I know of, uh, even before COVID, they all met through online dating. And mm -hmm. very rarely does it happen that they met at work or they met in school so when I was starting out my MBA, I was single and I thought like, oh, I could meet someone here. But then, you know, you just end up with a ton of paperwork and groupmates that you hate. So, <laughs> so there's always like the one that never carries their load in a great right? project. <laughs> right. <laughs> my nemesis always. <laughs> I, I so want to drop names right now, but I kind of feel like, you know, I Listen. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Unfortunately, you still experience that at work sometimes too. But <laughs> Exactly. And like, sometimes you just feel like, okay, you want to be left alone. But mm -hmm. I guess bringing it back to trying relationships and online dating, at least on my end, most of my friends, even the ones who are based abroad or based here, like, I guess out of the seven, only two have done it outside of an online relationship. So Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So in here, like Tinder used to be big here. And then I think mm -hmm. Bumble is now big. I don't know if there's like I guess uh for the LGBT world, like there's way too many to mention. But apparently <laughs> there's one for there's one for lesbians now. You know? Good. Right? And there's also, I guess like, you know, when I was single Gay apps, I think there are at least three I could think of at the top of my head. Aside from Grinder, I think there's one for bears and there's one for bearded guys. Oh, is that Scruff? Oh, yeah. I know the gay <laughs> dating apps. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know in the US, but I think Hinge is also big out there, isn't it? Yeah, I would say like Hinge and Bumble are probably like neck and neck. I feel like, I don't know, this is potentially false information this is just my perception but i feel like bumble is more popular with like the 20 somethings crowds and i feel like hinge is more popular with the 30 somethings crowds so i guess for the uninitiated what's the difference with hinge because i am familiar with bumble like a party won't be able to engage with you unless someone starts but what's the difference with hinge though Wow, I have so much history to give you on Hinge. It was actually almost the first internship I ever had, but then I wow. turned it down because it wasn't paying. So I was like, no, thank you. 
Um, <laughs> I got another one that was paying, so I said no thanks. But anyway, Hinge originally was basically you would only see people that you had mutual Facebook friends with. So it was based on this concept that the best people that you meet for relationships are people that are, you know, extensions of your close contact circle. So it was all based on like Facebook data and that kind of thing. Obviously, Cambridge Analytica happened. A lot of things went awry. So they could no longer use that value prop for the app. And so now the way Hinge operates is essentially... You've got like your photos or whatever, and then they give you prompts that you can answer. Just give more like direct kind of like things that people can respond to. Like, you know, with Tinder, it used to just be like a bio and then be like six foot, like uggo swipe left or whatever, you know, like just right. super problematic and shitty. Basically just like prompts and things to like make it easier to engage. I will say hetero men are so unoriginal with their responses. There's like five where like every straight man answers those questions and they're always the same. It's like, what are you overly competitive about? Every straight man says everything. <laughs> Hilarious. And then, you know, the biggest risk I've ever taken, quitting my job and moving to XYZ place. Um, you know, it's just like, or like backpacking Europe by myself, like, come on, guys, you need to get a little bit more original or like, I'll fall for you if and they say like, you trip me or something. It's, it's a slog, to be honest. Um, but anyway, that's kind of their their model. Now, I will say I looked at Bumble recently, and it seems like Bumble has kind of combined their old user interface, which was like just a bio and then swipe right, swipe left, pretty similar to Tinder, except that women had to initiate conversations. Now they do have the prompt thing also, but it's still a little bit different because in Hinge, you respond directly to a photo or to a prompt. And I think with Bumble, you do still like swipe right, swipe left. So one time I was warned by Facebook that, hey, you're going against community standards. You're actually promoting hate speech by making that comment. So the what did comment you say the comment I said <laughs> is that men are dumb. I mean, is that hate speech though? <laughs> right? I don't know. That seems I mean, Facebook will flag so many ridiculous things as hate speech, to be honest. But then they'll like let just like actual hate speech slide under the rug very easily. Anyway, yeah. don't get me started on that, but <laughs> Yeah, but like I think it's pretty much like right on the money with what you're saying earlier about how guys like type in cliche and all of that, because even guys who like guys, they're so dumb when it comes to making their online profiles, especially in Grindr, you just share a shirtless photo and then you basically say like, here's my height, here's my place, like, here's what I do in bed. And like, there's nothing further than what you see on the surface. and. Mm -hmm. At least with women, like, you know, it, you, there's always an attempt to understand, like, hey, like, here are my interests. And, like, here's how I, I try to be original. Because I think, like, that's why it's much harder, in a way, to just date guys. Just because, like, the conversations are generally superficial and the bar is set way down low. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. It's like below ground level. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I want to hear your batting average when it comes to these dating sites, or at least the ones that you've tried, like what's your creep ratio? You know what? I would say I've been super lucky on the apps. I have never gone out with anybody that I would say is like, I feel threatened by, or like they're super, super creepy. Like there's guys where it's like, eh, you don't really look like your photo, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just like the type of person that if I'm already out, I'll have a good time regardless. Like I can entertain myself perfectly fine. <laughs> so even if the dude is like not that chatty, I'm like, cool, I guess I'll keep the conversation going. So it's never been like a ton of creeps. Sometimes it's just like dudes that aren't that interesting or they don't like look like their picture or something. But I would say for the most part, it really hasn't been like terrible. That being said, I know other people have had really horrific experiences. I tend to be like pretty selective about who I actually give likes to or match with. So, you know, obviously everyone is kind of putting out the persona that they want people to perceive them as. So you really never know what you're going to get. But I think there are some like little cues that you can kind of be like, mm, that guy's a problem. I'm not matching with him. <laughs> <laughs> like what I was saying before, when guys are like answering the prompt, like I'm overly competitive about and they say everything. I'm like, yep, that's not the one we're going to keep on keeping on. <laughs> I think it's more of the fact that you have a very good selection process or filtering process more than like whether the apps are like hitting the the creeps because I do think like a lot of people could be just like quite oblivious with the apps and I know of a lot of like female friends who are afraid to get into it just because they're afraid that they might end up with a creep or someone who's like as you said, like the catfishing part, like not appearing <laughs> as the picture. Right. In terms of that situation, has there ever been a time you were like, you know, you're not going to initiate the date or you just want the date to get over with because what you've seen in the profile or what you've seen in their photo is not who they seem? You know, so I also have a policy with dating apps where someone's least attractive photo is probably the most what they actually look like. <laughs> so I feel like I don't have that happen too much. But that said, kind of like what I was saying before, like if I'm already out, like I'm at least going to have a couple of drinks and have a good time. So even if the person's not really like looking like what I was hoping for, it's just like, eh, whatever. I'm not going to try and make out with him or go home with him or anything, but I could still have a decent conversation. And I'm also very much in it for the stories, I feel like. Like, I love to hear bad date stories and I love to tell bad date stories. So I will truly just like suffer through it with the knowledge that one day this will be funny. <laughs> I agree. And the perspective I want to share with this is like being a queer person and I kind of feel like gay people get a bad rap because we have more hookup stories than dating stories. But mm -hmm. I guess that's also kind of like the nature of the beast because sure. one time there was a guy that like really catfish 101. Like he wasn't the photo at all. 
and he was already inside the apartment and I had to basically tell him like, hey, someone's going to come over. And I asked a friend to fake it out so that I could get out of like, you know, him oh, entertaining yeah. him and like, you know. Please leave. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, the last thing he did was like, give me a hug. And I'm like, oh, I'm never going to see you ever again. So that's the best that you're going to get. So for sure. But I think it's more prevalent with straight dating than gay dating because like I do think you know as much as possible there's a lot of photos like in gay profiles with the ones that I've seen because like I do meddle with my friends Bumble account and Tinder account and like I make sure that they get on the prowl especially if they haven't been (laughs) in out there for so long gotta start swiping (laughs) right sometimes it's just like straight guys would have like one to two photos max but at least like in the worst, <laughs> but at least like in gay dating, it's like five or six. Like it's a lot. You know, there are even features within the app where you can send an entire album to a person if you want to see more. So yeah. I do. I do think like just not necessarily like pinching on the superficial, but the physical attraction really is like at a much higher standard when it comes to gay dating, because more often than not, the first thing that you do is to get physical. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Sometimes that's the case in straight dating too, but <laughs> not always. Yeah. I will say like, you know, I haven't gone on dates with people that I would kind of define as creeps, but I don't get me wrong. I've been on a lot of bad dates, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no one I've felt like threatened or unsafe by. You know, since we're talking about bad days, could you just share some? Oh, yes. Right? Please let me share. <laughs> <laughs> I love sharing bad date stories. So I think this is my favorite one to tell. This was my very first date when I moved to Chicago from LA. So before I moved to Chicago, I had kind of started perusing Hinge already to just see, you know, what the scene was looking like out here. And just to see if it was more my speed in terms of dating. So I match with this guy. He seems cute and great on paper, et cetera. And I'm like, hey, just FYI, I'm not moving to Chicago for a few weeks. But, you know, if you want to do like a virtual date, like I would be open to that. So he's like, yeah, totally. Let's do it. And so we decided to do like a virtual like sushi date kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So we both like ordered from like DoorDash or Grubhub or whatever. And then it was very charming on this like virtual date. He was like, oh, like, should I Venmo you for your sushi so like I can still pay for the first date? And I was like, no, no, no. That's like really nice. Like whatever. So we did like two virtual dates. And then I was like in the process of moving and work, which is kind of crazy at the time. And I was just like, I'm so sorry. I do not have like the mental energy to kind of keep texting you every day. But like that said, let's meet up, you know, once I'm in Chicago. So I text him a few weeks later once I moved to Chicago. He's like, hey, I just like got vaccinated. And I was like, cool. I have had my first vaccine. I'm willing to take the risk. And so we go on the state. And at this point in time, everywhere, including bars in Chicago, like you had to have a reservation to go because it was still like pretty, I mean, COVID's still bad now, but you know, it was like the variants that were a little bit more dangerous, I guess you could say. And so, so we met up at this dive bar called 
the walk-in, I want to say it's called. And I get like a single white claw, like a hard seltzer situation. And he pays for it. And I'm like, oh, thanks so much. That's like really nice of you. Which it's a $5 white claw, like calm down. But like also I have manners, so I'm going to say thank you. And he literally responds to me like, don't worry, you're getting the next one. And I was just like, oh, okay, like that's fine. I was going to offer anyway, but like if we want to make it crystal clear, noted. And so the next place we're going is like this wine bar. Like we literally had three reservations this day. Like it was pretty wild. Our next reservation was this wine bar. He orders an $80 bottle of wine and like a bunch of snacks and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, like he's clearly not expecting me to pay for all of this. Yeah. Since it's quote unquote my round. So I'm like figuring he's going to like split it. Right. So we get the tab and he's like, yeah, that's, this is your round. Right. I was just so shocked that like I literally just paid for it. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, we're supposed to go to this restaurant for dinner. So, you know, maybe he's going to like pay for dinner. Still weird to be like, you're around, it's a hundred dollars or whatever. But like, I guess if he's paying for dinner, it makes up for it a little bit. So we go to dinner. It's whatever. He's talking about how he's being super frugal because he's like moving two blocks away. And I'm just like, my guy, I literally just spent thousands of dollars to move from California. And now you're telling me that you're trying to be frugal because you're moving two blocks away. This is not hitting right. And so obviously the check comes and then he wants to split it. And I was just like, are you serious right now? And he was like, yeah, why? And I was like, because he paid for a $5 white claw. And then I paid for like an $80 bottle of wine and snacks. And now you want to split dinner. Like this is very much not equal if that's what you were going for. Yeah. And then he just like kept going on about, well, well I'm moving soon. And I was just like, dude. That's falling on deaf ears because I literally just moved way further than you did. And that is a really stupid excuse. And then we never spoke again. He texted me again, but I never responded. I felt like I did not owe him a response. Yeah. Well, he owes you. Oh, yeah. He owes me like a hundred bucks. Yeah. He owes you a hundo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember if it was quite a hundred, but it was like, it was a lot. I was like, wow, he's really trying to pile up on these snacks considering we're going to dinner next. <laughs> Is he looking for a date or a free dinner? We don't know. <laughs> Seemed like he was looking for a sugar mama. No. And I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Raising to that point, because like, at least with LGBT dating, gay dating in general, like, well, my current, you know, he insists on splitting everything down the middle as much as possible, mm-hmm. whenever possible. But for the most part, like, there's not much of like, okay, like someone's going to take this and someone's going to take that. But back then, like the common norm is like with heterosexual <laughs> dating, like the guy pays, but what's the narrative there? Like what's been happening? Because like, I don't know what's happening in your neck of the woods. I feel like it just really depends these days. I would say in New York and LA, you're almost certainly going to split on the first date unless you're like dating a certain type of guy. I will say when I moved to Chicago, almost every date I've been on except that one, the guy has paid on the first date. 
but that's not like an expectation that I have. That's always just like a nice thing. It's not like something that I'm like, well, if he doesn't pay on the first date, like I don't want to see him anymore. But I do know that there are a lot of like women in hetero relationships that do draw that hard line where they're like, a guy should pay for the first date always. I've heard arguments for either kind of way. I don't really, you know, feel strongly one way or the other about it, but I always at least offer to split. I feel like that's good manners, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it's called formally, but like the purse shift, Mm -hmm. you know, like at least just have the decency to rummage through your bag. You gotta like make the gesture like you're going to get your wallet, whether you're actually taking it out or not. You kind of like test the speed to see how quickly they're going. (laughs) And then if they're like going like pretty slowly also, you can pretty much guarantee you guys are splitting, but that's fine. Splitting is fine. I don't know. Maybe his mindset is like, well, men have been paying for women for first dates forever, but like the gender pay gap, my guy, what do you want? Like, (laughs) you're Mm -hmm. a white man. You like truly have had it very good for a long time. You could probably get the t shirt, you know, I wasn't a terrible date and all I got was this white claw or something. So I did think it was wild that he wanted to go to like three different places on this date. I was like, we don't even know if we really like each other yet, but like, okay, I'm along for the ride. But I feel like mm-hmm. first dates, dinner's really not the best option. You got to like do something casual, like drinks so you can cut and run pretty easily if you need to. <laughs> yeah. Or in my case, the nicest date that I've had is like an afternoon tea at the hotel. So that's nice. Because like, you know, you end up not being too bloated or hungry Mm -hmm. after you just you can keep it cute right (laughs) the food that you're going to be eating are like very very small portions of something so they're they're never going to see how big your mouth is (laughs) like just eat that little cucumber sandwich (laughs) yeah and i noticed like well there's a trend here in asia where basically like you know friends ask a waiter to pull out like the credit card that they think you know, should pay. Wait, I don't understand what that means. So the idea is that like, you know, friends pull their credit cards uh, together. I see, and I see, I see. They let the waiter, they let a waiter pick, the one. Uh, I see, I pick see. one. It's like roulette almost. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And for those who are still confused or still feeling like, okay, we could be one way or the other. If you don't want to split it down the middle, like maybe just do that. And like, maybe it'll be a little fun or like a little nice. Yeah, it's like a game. And to have manners to basically say, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to pay for the other thing. Totally. And, you know, I'm not going to get. There's definitely etiquette involved. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. And, you know, dating without any money or without it costing so much money is also cute. I mean, you know, going out to a park or. Yeah, like, a nice walk. Yeah. I love walking dates. Like, I think I've had it's at least nice. two. It's pretty nice. And you get to explore like a place and you get to go around and feel what kind of person they are. Um, Australians, apparently, they do a lot of dates where you go on a run or hike together. But I guess we're not that physically ready for that. But I think like those are just some ideas because, you again, you don't have to have like a specific way of dating. But definitely there should be you know, enough time for you to have a conversation and enough time for you to get to know each other.
one of the things that I wanna talk about because like we're talking about, you know, we're in our thirties. Like, let's be honest, we're pretty lofty now. We can afford the eighty dollar bottle of wine. <laughs> We can, but I don't want to be scammed into buying it. <laughs> exactly. You know, you kind of want to want to buy it. But right. that said, what has changed? Because we've also dated in our 20s and we're now dating into our 30s. So I just yeah. want to hear your thoughts. Like, you know, what has changed? And I kind of feel like I may have some input, but at this point, my 20s feel like a blur. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess on one hand they do, but I don't know. They weren't that long ago. I mm-hmm. I mean, I just turned 31. I would say like, I feel like in your 20s, there's definitely more of a blind sense of optimism with dating where like every person you meet, you kind of feel like, oh, this could like be my person. And it feels like a bit more exciting. I think once you hit your 30s, you get a little bit more jaded and you're just kind of like, all right, like I'll go on this date and hopefully it'll be good. And like no one murders me, but like I'm really expecting nothing beyond that. So I think, you know, I I do think if you make it to your 30s single still, you definitely do get a little bit jaded. But that being said, I also think that once you're in your 30s, you just have a better idea of what you're actually looking for and what your deal breakers are. So you're not going to be wasting your time on someone that is not actually very compatible with you. Like I think you would entertain in your 20s. Yeah, no, I agree. The way that you're sharing it with me right now, okay, like I've had some realizations. Like when I was, you know, in my 20s, I had a lot of things that, okay, I want to prove that I can be this or I can be that. I could be independent, blah, blah, blah. And like all of those things come together and then you also have unresolved issues. So I remember like dating older guys because I didn't know how to resolve my issues with my dad, stuff like that. And Mm -hmm, you would mm -hmm. only realize like by the time you hit 30, like you kind of want to be with a person that compliments you and not necessarily is the same as you. Um, Mm -hmm. But I hear you when it comes to, you know, like being jaded and single at this point in time, because while my run on it was a little short, I do feel that my current who broke up with me the first time in the three years that we were together, the first thing that I thought of like, oh my God, it's going to be so depressing to date again. And then COVID happened. So that's pretty great. (laughs) So then it was really depressing to date again, but everyone was depressed. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I think that's why a lot of people are age as well. People have fallen prey to pandemic relationships and pandemic love and like feeling like I don't want to be alone forever. So blah, 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 blah. Totally. But there's also a big part of us right now that's like definitely more self-aware and like whatever that self-awareness is, is whatever we bring to the table. Yeah. And I guess like this is something that I just want to share like to whoever's going to be listening to this one is like, you know, understand patterns. Like if you have like a really terrible pattern when you were in your 20s, just Talk to a therapist. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Figure it out. Like, why is this happening? Exactly. Um, Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, like it's not always the case that like it's going to be your fault. But like if there are like common threads, like, you know, why do they keep breaking up with you? 
Or like, why are you finding yourself attracted to the same types of people that are like Mm -hmm. that really producing successful relationships? Like that's, you know, that's a bit about like the selection process, you know, which is still on you a little bit. It's obviously not, you know, dating's a two-way street, but you do have power in like who you're choosing to spend your time with. Yeah, I mean, you know, the market could be this and that, but by the end of the day, you're the one who's making the purchase. So, Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, I will say another thing that I think is different about dating in your 20s versus your 30s is I do think in your 30s, you're much more intentional about who you're spending your time with and who you're dating. I guess I kind of alluded to this before it's like similar in the sense where it's like you know what your deal breakers are right so Mm -hmm. you know in your 20s you might have entertained something that deep down knew was not the right fit for you Mm -hmm. just because you know you liked the person or whatever felt like there was chemistry there but now i feel like if you're in your 30s and you're just like this isn't working for me you're just more likely to be like well you know we did our best but it didn't really work out I will say, I think another thing, and I originally thought this was specifically like a hetero woman thing, but I actually listened to this other podcast recently called This Is Dating, and it was also pretty prevalent for at least this person they were kind of profiling who was a gay man. It was prevalent for him as well. I think once you hit your 30s, there is kind of like a sense of dread in a way, like that you're getting older and I feel like especially with like straight men but probably just all men truly there's always kind of the idea of like oh there's someone younger and prettier and like whatever else and just the way at least U.S. society but probably globally like youth is just valued as beauty Mm -hmm. versus you know other things like that gets scary where it's like you're like oh I'm 30 now like I'm yesterday's news like no one's going to be interested in me anymore because there's like hot 25 year olds you know so I feel like that's a thing that happens in your 30s I think probably more in your early 30s because it's like so fresh and you're just like oh I'm not in my 20s anymore I probably won't feel as strongly about this if I'm still single when I'm like 35 or something you know yeah (laughs) I don't know I kind of feel like we're definitely gonna have to go back to that once you hit 35 and like see what happens with your relationship and what happens to like everything and the perspective yeah. will definitely change but i think you know especially now you know and the reason why we're doing this in the first place is because i kind of feel like there's a big paradigm shift between being in your 20s and then like okay by the time you wake up again you know you realize you don't want to be wasting time with people you don't like you don't want to be <laughs> you want to yeah. be like doing as much you want to be in bed by like 11 p.m at the latest (laughs) yeah you want to keep your hands busy but not your mind something to that effect so Mm -hmm. those things are really really great but there's something that you said earlier about dating people and like perception and i kind of feel like it's one of those things that i think is important when i was dating in my 20s it was all about what that person represents, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they're a doctor, if they have a lot of things going on, I do remember there was a time when I kind of felt like, okay, I want to date lawyers because they know shit. Or, you know, I Mm want to date professionals with, you know, titles to them and all. 
but as I'm growing older, like, you know, it's more important to know who they are and like who you're dating and like who you are as well. I think one of the things that a lot of people in their 20s at this point, even to this day and age, are so gung-ho about like, okay, like here's my career, here's my title, here's my apartment, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, status, totally. Right? And mm-hmm. once you get a little older, like you just realize these are the more important things and like this is how the kind of people that I want to hang around with. And it really puts a little bit of a, a better perspective and like definitely as you I do think that, you know, I am happy that, first of all, like, you know, I had serious relationships a little later. I was already 24 when my first relationship came through. And then by the time I'm 30, like, there's a lot of learnings and there's, you know, you know what you're going to go through. You need to pay for a therapist if you want to get things going forward, if you're millennial, like, stuff like that. that Listen, you will... if you're anyone, <laughs> truly. <laughs> If and, you live and breathe and do things in life, you probably want a therapist to just right. kind of check in with. <laughs> yeah. So being alive is hard. <laughs> Definitely don't want to be ending our conversation with Megan without talking about the podcast that she's with, with her friend Kristen. I've been like so happy with what I've been uh, hearing and like I, I look forward to the new episodes and yeah, just go ahead. Yeah. So I have a podcast with one of my very good friends, Kristen. It is a Sex in the City recap and review podcast called I'm Sorry, I Can't, Don't Hate Me, which is a reference to when the main character, Carrie, was broken up with somebody via post-it note. So yeah, I mean, the whole thing is basically that she and I are watching the series together for the first time. She still lives in New York, but I lived in New York for a long time as well. So it's kind of like our views on like nostalgic 1990s New York and dating and relationships in that regard. It's been a fun watch. I will say that we're definitely not diehard Sex and the City fans. <laughs> so, so if that is what you were expecting when you're listening to the podcast, it is not that. We do look at it from a pretty critical lens. But we do give credit where credit's due if we like an episode. So we have a good time. We have some laughs. So, you know, if anyone's interested, we are on all of the major podcast platforms. We love to have listeners write in and do things. So always feel free. (laughs) Yeah. My first year in college, the first thing that our professor asked is that specific scene in Sex and the Mm -hmm. City. And like I think there was like a communication theory tied against that. And I raised my hand and said, post it. So, you know, like everyone knew I was gay. But at the same time, like, that's how I feel about like listening to the series. Um, Not recommended for everyone. But like, when I was 13, 12 and 13, I was watching seasons five and six and sex in the city on HBO. It's like my preteen memory of the idea of that. But also just as a queer person, it gave me a little bit of a shift of here are the kinds of relationships that you can have in the future. And here's the opportunities that you can have in the future. And as a self-professed Samantha Miranda hybrid as well, 
I oh my gosh, that's me too. Right? <laughs> Those are the two best ones objectively, mm. though. <laughs> yeah. Carrie's just a mess. And I have a friend who's a diehard Charlotte and you know, like Oof, we're that's gonna rough. <laughs> You don't say. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sure that's great for her. Yeah. No, like she's very unapologetic about being Charlotte. Like, you know, like you she's. Know, I love that for her. Yeah. So <laughs> I just really want to make sure that like everyone knows here, like where we're coming from. And like, if you want to hear more about like Megan's point of view when it comes to dating and dating life, like there's definitely like snippets of that here and there, especially when talking about the podcast. That's why I kind of feel like our topic right now is just so in sync with whatever you're doing as part of your passion project, Kristen. Absolutely. Absolutely. We definitely, we definitely dive deep in dating. It's also interesting because I'm kind of like the perpetually single one. And Kristen, meanwhile, has been like married for like 10 years and in a relationship for like 15 years or something like that. So there's always a lot of good kind of banter about relationships and our point of views on that. So if that is something you're interested in, you might get a chuckle from our analyses. Yeah. But also no spoilers Mm -hmm. on Sex and the City. We literally watch it each week that we record. Like I have no idea what's going to happen in the future of the show, except for the post-it note, because we were looking at stuff that we could reference for the name of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the fact that you have a reference that's like deep into the Sex and the City iceberg is so cool to me. But on the other hand, like your perspective is also opening me up because like as a fan of the show and like as someone who actually identifies with some of the characters, I do feel like the perspective that you have and the modern lens and also the contrasting figures that you have when it comes to Kristen and like what you and Kristen puts on the table really good and i just really wish you the best on that one thank you appreciate it and also iggy you have to be on the show we we talked about it yeah i need the date soon <laughs> yeah no, no no like for sure i will be there and i'm gonna do my homework and like write my notes i've got a like- <laughs> i've got a prep doc ready for you <laughs> Earlier, we talked about like, okay, like, what are you thought in your 20s or what are your thoughts in your 30s? But like, what are your hopes for dating either in general or for yourself? Oh, that's an interesting question. This is so funny. Speaking about therapists, I myself also have a therapist. But one thing I was talking about with her recently was like, the fact that I feel like all relationships have expiration dates on them and just kind of you know, the idea that most relationships are temporary in some regard. And I feel like thinking about that, I think my hope is just that one day I don't feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope that I do meet someone that makes me think like, actually, this relationship could last forever. Because yeah, I think maybe it's me being jaded. Maybe it's just me being hyper realistic or or whatever it is. But I do think it's not always like the best kind of mindset to go in with when you're dating to be like, cool, we'll date probably for, you know, a couple of years max, and then we'll break up and then we'll both move on and meet someone else. Like, it's not super productive. So I think my hopes for dating are that at some point, I meet someone that makes me not think that that's the case. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty, pretty wonderful. And I hope for the best for you, Megan, like you're 
amazing with what you do and who you are and everything. And I really wish you the best when it comes to your dating life. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> well, I guess as for me, like the way that I want to end this in the movie, when Harry met Sally, there was a scene when Meg Ryan called Carrie Fisher and then Bill Crystal called his friend, the other actor and Carrie Fisher and that guy were dating apparently in that scene. And basically like what Carrie said at the end of those conversations happening, she faced her partner and basically said, don't make me go out there again. You know? <laughs> yes. That's a good way to put it because there are definitely people who are meant to be single. I honestly believe that there are people who are meant to be partnered. And for those who are the latter, I do hope that everyone gets to find a pot for their lid. You know, and and that's really like my hope, even for the people who, you know, pay for the white claw and (laughs) no, they don't deserve love. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, thank you so much, Megan. Like, I hope that, you know, the people are listening, whether you're already in your 30s or about to get here we want to do as much as possible to put contrasting perspectives but for the most part we just hope that you have something that you picked up along the way when it comes to relationships so thank you so much and this is the first episode of how to be 30 